Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading today comes from 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. The next scripture is from 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 13. I know you've all heard it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we, <clears throat> we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will pass, will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even if I've been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide these three. The greatest of these is love. Have you ever driven a car from home to a friend's house for an evening and not remembered the route or how you got there? I have. I once read that we are not aware of our driving 90 to 95% of the time. We work on autopilot. We just get in a car and drive without even being aware of what we're doing. This got me to thinking. Are there other areas of my life where I'm on autopilot, not aware of what I'm doing? So I began to examine my life. And over time, I realized I possessed certain beliefs that I was not aware of. In fact, many of these beliefs were running my life without my knowledge. They were dictating my behaviors my relationships, and my peace of mind. Let me give you examples of how this autopilot played out in my life. First, my background. I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, prior to World War II. My family included my mother, my dad, my grandma, two older brothers who were 17 and 12 years older than I, and of course, me. Both brothers were serving in the military in 1945, 
during World War II. My father was the breadwinner of the family, while my mother was a stay-at-home mom. Since they were married at age 18 in 1920, my mother never finished high school or learned to drive a car. One of my most vivid memories I have from my childhood is sitting next to my mother in a chair, in an armchair, while dad was lying in bed resting from a mild heart attack. My mom was reading to him when my father decided to get out of bed and go to the bathroom. He collapsed of a heart attack, dying at my feet. I was seven years old at the time. I remember being rushed over to a neighbor's house for the evening to avoid the chaos in my own home. For some reason, the neighbor told the story. I had a dog whose name was Rover, and when he died, he died all over. I have no idea what that story means or why I even told this story, but it remains in my memory. And I said, what did I have to do with my father's death? I knew he was dead at that time. Today, I know that mom was trying to protect me from the circumstances, but I felt I was being left out. And then thought occurred to me, maybe there's something wrong with me. My mom was 43 and my grandma was 65 at the time of my father's death. They were both afraid. So was I. How were we going to live? How were we going to survive? We were all frightened. I remember sitting in my mother's feet while she sat in a chair and cried endlessly. What will we do? How can we get by? How, what will we do? How can we live? Following my father's death, I participated in another family discussion with my mother, my grandmother, and my two brothers. One of the items on discussion was putting me up for adoption. Whoa, that came as a surprise. The thought came to me at that time, doesn't anyone want me? Ultimately, they kept me. I spent summers with my brother Earl and his wife in Philadelphia or New Jersey, and the rest of the year at home. My mother took a job as a dishwasher in a local cafeteria at a high school. She even went back to school and finally became a dietitian and ended up managing these cafeterias. We rented rooms to visitors, and I slept in the attic. I just thought of this this morning. We had an Airbnb. <laughs> we st I knew this 70 years ago. I didn't think of it. <laughs> in short, we did what we needed to do to survive. <clears throat> now, I didn't realize this for a long time, but these events had a huge impact on my life. In fact, these would end up, would end up shaping a lot of my behaviors as an adult. My behaviors came from unconscious beliefs that became part of me when I was seven years old. These beliefs impacted my thought of fear, love, worth, security, and fulfillment.
Remember how I explained to you the day of my father's death, I was excluded from participating in the events at home? My thought was, there's something wrong with me. That thought affected my sense of worth. For almost my adult life, I have doubted my self-worth and believed that I wasn't good enough. Therefore, the belief became fixed in my mind that if I wanted to be worthy, I needed to be fixed. This played out in my life by endlessly studying self-help books, Think and Grow Rich, Win Friends and Influence People, The Power of Positive Thinking, The Magic of Thinking Big, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, SAIC, CDs, seminars, and the list goes on, even today. This moment, <clears throat> this moment also affected my sense of security. I felt at risk. I needed to be accepted. This became, caused me to become a strict follower of rules. I built a life around certainty. As much as possible, I invested in relationships and business dealings that made me feel safe. And when I couldn't control or manage the situation, I went crazy. When I did something wrong, I panicked. I ran or hide to avoid consequences. I didn't avoid the consequences. I was consumed by an overwhelming fear because the world seemed so big and I seemed so small. Another facet of how the events of my father's death played out in my life was when my family was discussing putting me up for adoption. Remember my thought? Doesn't anyone want me? That created a belief that I could be abandoned at any moment. So I needed to make myself valuable and useful to other people so they would see a need for me. I began doing this with my mother and my grandmother, for example. When I was still young, my grandmother became ill and required round-the-clock care. Of course, I was right there to help. In fact, most of my life, I've been drawn towards people who have trouble caring for themselves. Caring for others, it was a built-in need for me. These are examples how events of my life <clears throat> years ago, how, 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 these are examples of how events impacted my life years afterwards. Although these events are unique to me, always remember you are unique. This is from one of my book, Furry Logic, that I like. I'm going to give a couple slides. I want to share the expression of my understanding of this. I am unique, right? We're all unique, like everybody else. <laughs> so, All of us have events in our childhood that shape our lives. But the problem is we are often unaware how these events manifest in our lives and in our behaviors.
I want to focus next on how I made the connection of these events from my childhood <clears throat> were affecting my behaviors. If you want to change behaviors, if you want to get off autopilot, you have to change your beliefs. In order to change my beliefs, I had to become aware of my beliefs. That is why we read the scripture from 1 Thessalonians. The Lord comes like a thief in the night. One night I was laying there and God spoke to me like a thief in the night, an unexpected guest. And I envisioned myself in a place and time of the events I described here. You might think this happened to me when I was young. It didn't. These, these realizations only came through to me six months ago, and I'm almost 80. Unexpectedly, I became aware of what I was doing to fix myself and make myself lovable. What God said to me is that I was operating from a place of fear rather than a place of love. That evening, I started cycling through all these examples in my mind of when I had acted out of fear rather than love. For instance, as a boy, I got my, when I got my paper out, I had some money of my own. I went out and bought my mother a pair of earrings, I still remember. They're silver with a blue design inside. She loved them. Wow, I was quite a son. My mom and grandmother re recognized and praised me for being so thoughtful. Now they would have to keep me around, right? What do you think? Was, I, was this a matter of working from fear or from love? Then my mind wandered to how I like to buy my wife flowers. When she likes them, I'm ecstatic. But when she doesn't, I'm dejected. What do you think? Am I working from fear or from love? Clearly, I was working from fear. I feared losing control of my life. I feared being rejected. I realized that everything I was doing, all of my behaviors were designed to alleviate my fears and to make me feel adequate and secure. I thought I was working from a place of love, but even my love was really about suppressing my fears. Dr. Shafali Palbari, the author of the, the Awakened Family, says that love without consciousness or awareness is really manipulation or controlling. When I really examined my life, I realized my love was really about manipulation and control. So my actions expressed my fear, not my love. Paul clearly states that love is kind, patient, hopeful, enduring. Love is not rude, arrogant, or boastful. So if we pick <clears throat> So if we take Paul's definition of love and apply it to my examples, how would they come out differently? 
Well, rather than believe there's something fundamentally wrong with me, through God's love, I develop belief that I have worth. My efforts to fix myself through books, classes, and so forth become the basis for working with others, helping them find the value in their own lives by mentoring, by sponsoring, by training, as I did with my employees and people I volunteer with. I believe that I am good enough, as I am, that nothing really needs to be fixed, but I can grow and change. Rather than, rather than believe that nobody wants me and I feel I have to prove my usefulness and shouldn't be abandoned, through God's love, I have come to understand I don't need to manipulate others so they will need me. No, I have come to believe that I can love others for the sheer joy of loving them, the sheer joy of loving them. I can serve them as their needs suggest being kind and compassionate. I love others to help them through difficulties because love heals and mends broken hearts. Serving this way is its own reward. I am fulfilled without recognition. When God stole into my life and exposed my fear, I realized I wasn't free to be who God intended me to be because I didn't know how to love. Now I know that love is a choice, as our tagline says. I can choose love to be the light that changes the world under any circumstances. When I, act from <clears throat> when I act from kindness and compassion for, with myself and others, I'm expressing love. When I judge, resent, unconsciously choose a course of action, people around me suffer, and so do I. Fear rules. When, I'm on, when I am on autopilot, very likely I'm fearful, controlling or manipulating my behaviors. If I want to change, I have to change my beliefs. To change, I have to be aware of them. So I hope that you will take time. So I hope that you will take time to examine your own beliefs and ask God into your heart to examine the beliefs that are guiding your actions. You can act out of fear or out of love. My hope is that you will choose love so that you can experience a true life of freedom and joy. Through love, my worth is expressed by being kind to myself and others. My security is knowing that through faith that God provides me with the experiences I need to grow in his likeness. And finally, I'm fulfilled with gratitude and forgiveness for the life God has given me. Paul says, abide these three, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Choose love. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.